Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. Graveyard Riddle, Chapter 11, and Peyton is, in fact, still awake. And just so you know, Pay, it's only (laughs) 8.16. Is that crazy? Already? Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, okay. Chapter 11. It was a warm day, and some of the long, pale grass looked golden in the sunlight. It was so beautiful there in the cemetery, even the outgrown bits. As I ate my apple, I scrambled through the weeds, the brambles, and over the bricks to get to the plague house. I squeezed through the front door and went inside. Hal, are you here? I called. I burst back into the room to see Hal uncurling from the blanket on the floor. He blinked at me, looking a bit dazed. His rucksack was still in the dusty corner. Hang on a minute. Are you sleeping here? I said. Hal sat up and he rubbed his eyes and then pointed a half-eaten apple. Do you want that, he said. I looked up at the apple in my hand. Um, I guess not. Do you? He nodded slowly. I handed the apple to him and he began to eat it, eating it. Is everything okay, I said. He shook his head. There's been a technical hitch, he said. Tiny pieces of the white apple flesh fell out in the side of his mouth. A malfunction in the Warley Tower branch communication. What do you mean a malfunction, I asked. Hal concentrated on the apple for a moment. He was eating right down to the seeds. My communication device has failed, he said. He lifted his wrist. I remembered he'd spoken into the watch yesterday, apparently communicating to his team. To me, it looked like an old-fashioned to do anything other, it looked old-fashioned and didn't do anything other to do than tell the time. In a situation like this, the protocol is to just sit tight. He slowly stood up. I think Martin Stone's gang may have had something to do with it. They've probably blocked the signal. I've just got to be patient and wait for instructions. Instructions from 118 is, uh, M18 is that right? Is that right? I said. He nodded. Well, that's interesting because I looked them up and they haven't existed since 1940. How smiled. Melanie Bird, M18 is a secret organization. We aren't exactly going to be advertising what we do all over the internet are, now, are we? I looked at the thin blanket on the floor. And they've just left you without any food or a bed? None of this is your concern, Melody Bird, said Hal. I'm trained for this kind of eventual- eventuality. I've been in far worse situation rather than just sitting in a graveyard, I can tell you. And if you want, and if I want to, I can disappear. I raised my eyebrows. Really? How? As if by magic, Hal said, by clicking his fingers and grinning. I thought that the pebble had vanished right before my eyes and Nikolai Defry disappearing into the tank of water. Tummy, My tummy fizzled. Absolute, I absolutely loved magic. Hal crossed his arms and turned to, the, turned to stare out the window. He was thinking of disappearing right now. He has his back to me, and I quickly closed my eyes and counted to three. When I opened them, he was still there. I was being silly. People didn't just vanish into thin air apart from Dad, although Dad hadn't used magic. He just lied. Hal, are you really telling me the truth about all of this? I said, are you sure you're not making it up? He turned to me, frowning slightly. I'm a special agent, Hal Vincent, M18, Worley Tower Branch, he said. It's not a lie. 
I studied his face. Someone lied to me once, and it really hurt. I said, I think lying is the worst kind of betrayals, don't you? What happened, said Hal. Who lied to you? I walked over to the window. I never told anybody about what happened at the circus, not even Matthew. Only people knew about how Dad's lies lied to me were Mum. Everyone else just thought Mum and Dad had agreed to separate. I didn't want to talk about. I don't want to talk about it. I said, "You just have to believe me when I say that I refuse to be lied to again." Hal nodded. Well, Melody, Bur- Melody Bird, I can tell you right here, and now that Special Agent Hal Vincent is not a liar. Okay, okay, I replied. I still wasn't sure, but I felt a bit happier because hearing him say that, it was odd. How he kept using my full name. Maybe it was how special agents spoke. Do you think he's a real special agent? You do? Okay. He's not a special agent, just a new spot. Yeah. Hal walked over and sat down on his blanket, crossing his ankles, and a shadow fell across the lower half of his face. So you must have quite an exciting life then, I said. A spy. My life's just so ordinary. He grinned. I don't think you're ordinary in the slightest, he said. I don't expect there to be many people who like hanging out in plague houses for a start. You sound pretty unique to me. I smiled. I'd been called a weirdo, a strange and an and odd in the past, but never unique. I liked it. Tell me about the world of Melody Bird, he said. I bet it's a bit more interesting than you realize. He tucked his knees under his chin, and I went and sat down in the corner of the blanket. Well, I lived on Chestnut Court for my whole life, so... So that's year 13 years. Although mom, mom had gotten this ridiculous idea of moving, I said, it's a cul-de-sac. So I like our, it's like our own private road, really. Oh, that's true. I said, I said, I wonder if it's a cul-de-sac. There's just the two of us. Oh, and Frankie, of course. Of course, said Hal. Of course. The little dog that looks like a furry sausage. I giggled. The house adjoining ours is empty. But on the other side, there's a really brilliant, creepy house called the Rectory. That's where old Nina lives. Old Nina? Hal said. How old is she? Ah, it's just a nickname, I said. No one really calls her that to her face. Actually, you can see the back of her garden from the house. It's only right over there. I pointed to the direction of the rectory. Next to her is number five, where Jake Bishop lives with his mom, Sue. His older brother moved to Australia recently, so it's just the two of them as well. Jake is in my, is in my year at school. He can be an idiot sometimes. How is he an idiot, said Hal. I wondered how I could describe Jake to somebody who had never met him. Are you getting tired over there, little miss? Oh, good. He can just be a little bit nasty. Because <laughs> I don't want you to fall asleep. I'm not going to fall asleep. I almost don't think he realizes that he's doing it. Matthew says it's because he's been bullied all of his life. Um, because of his allergies when he was little. His skin looks really red and raw sometimes, so people used to pick on him and call him names. I don't think it's an excuse for being rude to other people, though, do you? I said. Hal shook his head. And who's Matthew, he said. Does he live next to Jake? No. Next to Jake is the Jenkins, number seven. Hannah, Rory, and a baby called Max. They've just got a puppy called Wilson, who yaps all of the time. Rory Jenkins is our PE teacher at school, and everybody hates him, especially Jake. He picks on Jake a lot. Even when Jake doesn't deserve it. Hal nodded. That may explain why Jake is so nasty sometimes, he said. Picking on a piece of fluff is picking a piece of fluff off of his cardigan. I frowned. I wasn't sure why Mr. Jenkins was being horrible to Jake. Why being horrible to Jake would make Jake be horrible to other people, but I carried on. Next to Jake is number nine, where Matthew lives with his mom. 
Sheila and his dad, Brian. Oh, and his cat, Nigel. Although Matthew didn't really like animals, he thinks they carry germs. His parents are lovely. And Matthew is one of the strongest people I know. He's been through a lot, and he solved a crime last year. A boy called Teddy Dawson was missing from close from the clothes. Matthew worked hard at what at what had happened. He was a bit of a hero for a while. Hal nodded thoughtfully. I think I remember that happening. It was in the newspapers. I smiled. I was proud of what Matthew had done. It sounded like Matthew meant a lot to you, I said. He said, I shrugged. Well, I guess he was my best friend, although I'm not sure now. He's starting to ha- hang out with Jake more, I said. I was about to say that I didn't think he even liked me as much, but my cu- my throat caught. He's better friends with that idiot Jake over you. He must be mad. He must be mad, said Hal, and that made me feel a bit better. And that's who li- and who lives next to Matthew, said Hal. That's the last house on Chestnut Close, I said. Number 11 is where Mr. Charles lives. He's retired. He's retired and spends a lot of time in his garden chatting to anyone who comes past. He sounds lovely, said Hal. I screwed up my nose. No, I don't think so. I think he just likes talking a lot. Hal shrugged as if to say, maybe. I never thought Mr. Charles was lonely before. And that's everybody's. And that's everybody on Chestnut Close, I said. Small wrinkles appeared in the corner of Hal's eyes. As he smiled to himself, I looked down at the apple core on the floor. Did you want me to get you something to eat, I said? You must be starving. He rubbed his forehead. I'm not sure about that, he said. I don't want to put you out at any risk. Well, it wouldn't, I said. It would be completely incognito. He rested his chest on his knees. He seemed to be giving some serious thought. Do you think that you can do it without do you think that you could do it without anyone? I mean, anyone knowing? You can't tell your mom or Matthew or Jake or old old Nina or Mr. Charles. Nobody can know I'm here. I could feel goosebumps prickle down my arms. Absolutely nobody will know you're here, Hal. Your secret is safe with me, I promise. I took a few long breaths and I breaths. I guess once won't do any harm, he said. I've been using the tap using the tap in the graveyard for drinking water and the toilet in the church. Food is something that I can't get. Would you be able to get me something that might keep me over for a while? You know, feel food, fruits, nuts, that kind of thing. No problem, I said. Do you need anything else? Um, maybe a change of clothes and a flashlight. It gets quite dark here at night. Oh, okay, I said. My mind was racing to think of where I'd find clothes from. A pair of binoculars would be good too, continued Hal. I added them to my mental list. This is going to take me some time. Hal smiled at me. The Worley Tower branch will be indebted to you, Melody Bird. I'll make sure that they know how important you've been to this mission. I stood up and spotted something through the window. Look, he's back, I said. Hal got up and joined me. What? My eyes are open. Mm-hmm. Martin Stone was standing by the grave again. He was wearing the same clothes that he had been on. He had on yesterday, dark trousers and a beige jacket, but this time he wasn't carrying an umbrella. He bent down and fiddled with the rosebush and then lifted a watering can and poured some water onto the grave. Hal stood beside him, me and watched him. How are you going to report to how are you going to report Martin Stone's movements if you can't contact your branch, I said. Isn't that the whole point of you being here? I can make notes of times and dates to work out if there's a pattern. It's all vital information, he said. An elderly man emptied the watering can and placed it down by his feet. When he took out a cell out of his jacket pocket, he began to type something into the screen, slowly using one finger. 
that's so frustrating, said Hal, slapping his hand on the wall. He might be, he might be, be lacing with an associate. If I could communicate with their team, I'd be able to intercept that message right now, and it might lead us to the Kingfisher necklace. The case could be cracked. Martin Stone put his phone away and picked up his watering can. You, you can come this way if you want. And turned to leave. Okay. It looks, yep. It looks like he's going for the day, said Hal. Something is definitely going on here. That necklace is probably closer than we realize. I'm convinced that it's going to be moved soon. I thought about all that he told me about M18, Martin Stone, the stolen necklace, an unsold theft, a stock out, a stakeout. I still wasn't entirely convinced by his story. It still sounded a bit like a movie script or a game. I'll go get you your things now, I said, unless you want to add anything else. A pen with a hidden camera, perhaps? <clears throat> Hal considered to it. I don't think he even realized I was joking. No, just those things would be fine, he said. And thank you again, Melody Bird. What, do you do, what you're doing is incredibly important to M18, and we'll be grateful. You'll be part of the team in a way. My heart began to beat a little faster. Part of a real-life spy team. Was he for real? No problem, I said with a grin. Aw, well, maybe she's going to find a friend, huh? I don't know if he's a real spy, but it looks like he might turn into a real friend, huh, Pei? Yep. Cute. 